Welcome to this week's sermon from Heights Worship Center. We believe God has something for you today. We hope this message encourages and inspires you. Well, last week we talked about being free from fear and anxiety. And so I've been praying about like, okay, Lord, it's December. We should probably talk about, you know, the Christmas story, right? And uh, so I was praying about it and feeling like we should still talk about the importance of peace and how we have peace in the middle of everything. Honestly, this can be one of the most difficult times of year. It can be difficult for a lot of reasons. We, we grieve the loss of loved ones. Maybe we're feeling a little bit more stressed out about fi- family coming. <laughs> that I'm just saying. Maybe finances are feeling a little tight, especially with inflation. Right? There's a lot of things that can come and occupy our heart and our mind. And yet, Jesus came as the Prince of Peace. And so the Holy Spirit has given me a great outline. We're going to touch on the Christmas story, but we're going to focus on how we can have His peace. Come on. His peace. And so we're going to talk about that. Last week, we opened up with the scripture in Isaiah 41. I hope you brought your Bibles. If you need one, guess what? We have them in the back now if you forgot your Bible. But we read Isaiah 41, verse 10 through 13. Isaiah 41. And I want to revisit it this morning. Isaiah 41, verses 10 through 13. It says, don't be afraid. Why? For I am with you. Don't be discouraged. Come on, why, church? For I am your God. All right, I will strengthen you and help you. I will hold you up with my victorious right hand. Now, remember, we talked about the five reasons why we don't need to give in to fear is because God is with me. Come on, everybody, do it. God is with me. He's beside me. God is my God. That means he's bigger than me. He's over me. God strengthens me. That's he's inside me, right? God helps me. He's all around. And God upholds me. That way you'll never forget. All right, do it with me. Can we put that up there? God is with me. We have it. Next slide. Go, go to the God is with me slide. All right, ready? God is with me. God is my God. God strengthens me. God helps me. And God upholds me. All right? This is how we remember that we don't have to give in to fear because God is all around, in and out, and upholding us with what? His victorious right hand. And last week we talked about the importance of thinking about what you think about. Because whatever dominates your thoughts will determine your emotions. One more time. Whatever dominates your thoughts will determine your emotions. And so it's really important that we put our thoughts in the right place. That our emotions are not wrong. They're not sinful. But if we don't know how to go to the presence of God with our emotions to receive his word, his perspective, his peace, his comfort, then we can get in this emotional spin and we could actually exhaust ourselves out. However, if I learn how to take those thoughts captive, I feel them, I think them, but I come to the presence of God and I receive what he has for me. Now I direct my thoughts on him and instead of spinning out in an emotional torrent, I can have peace that passes understanding. And we read Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 through 7. We're going to visit it again. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians. Go eat popcorn. That's how I remembered it as a kid. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 through 7. I want you to read it out loud with me. Okay, when you get there, Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. By the way, thankfulness is not a Thanksgiving only thing. Thankfulness is an everyday thing. Tell your neighbor, every day. Okay, every day. Let's keep reading. Verse 7. Read it with me. Then, then, everybody say, then. 
then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your heart and mind as you live in Christ Jesus. So when we feel afraid, worried, anxious, we learn to take them to the presence of God. We tell them about it. You don't have to pretend like you're not bothered. God already knows. And you can come to him in real vulnerable state of your current emotions and thoughts of the situation you're facing. And you bring it to his presence. Why? Because he's good. Because he's kind. He's tender. He's loving. He's gentle. He cares about you. You're valuable to him. He already knows your needs before you know your needs, right? We talked about this last week. And because of that, we can come and process our pain, process our confusion, process our questions in the presence of Jesus. There is nothing off limits that you can't talk to God about. You know how sometimes there are certain people in your life, there are certain topics that are off, you know, you're just off limits, don't go there. With God, you can go anywhere. He is a safe place. It says, then, once you come to him, pray about it, talk to him about it, thank him. What do you do? We sing about it. Even in the chaos, in the battle, in the challenge, while you're dealing with different things, there are still reasons to thank God. And you have got to take that as a weapon of warfare. Gratitude is a weapon of warfare. If you never thought about it, gratitude is one of your essential weapons in your artillery. Worship, praise, Prayer and gratitude are valuable weapons, and I think gratitude is probably one of the most least used weapons, and yet one of the most important ones that we have. And I like how it says in verse 7, then, once you do that, then you'll experience God's peace. God, I need your peace, I need your peace, I need your peace. Where is it? Did you do what you have to before the then? Did you pray about it? Did you thank him? Did you do what he's asking you to do? Because the promise is when you do, then his peace will come. I like it says, the peace is beyond anything you can understand. What does that mean? His peace won't always make sense here. But his peace will always be real in here. The peace that says, I don't know how I'm going to make my bills, but God told me to do this. And because I trust him, even though up here, I'm not sure how it's going to happen. In here, I know that he's got me. And so I take these thoughts captive and I live in this knowing of God's word and promise. We need to turn off these thoughts sometimes and we need to focus on what we know is true. It says this, look at the last line of verse seven. His peace, whose peace? Who's his? Jesus, right, God. So his peace, not your peace, not what the world says is peace, not worldly peace, his peace. His peace will what? Guard your heart and mind, your emotions and your thoughts. His peace is promised to help guard, protect, shield. So when the enemy comes at you, you're going to be like, uh-uh, bounce off, peace. I don't have to take every thought he throws at me. I can learn to live in peace in this Christmas series, we're going to look at different principles through the story of Jesus Christ, whose name is Prince of Peace, how he enables us to live in a place of peace, even though everything around us might look chaotic. Are you ready? Here's what the last thing says. It says his peace will guard your hearts and minds as what? As you live in Christ. So where do we find peace? In Christ. As I live in Christ, as I keep Christ at the center, then I will have his peace. Now, I like the message. I like the message version. Here's what it says. Don't fret or worry. Instead of worrying, pray. Let petitions and praises shape your worries into prayers. I you like that? That's good. Before you know it, oh wait, letting God know your concerns. Before you know it, a sense of God's wholeness everything coming together for good will come and settle you down. It's wonderful what happens when Christ displaces worry at the center of your life. Bill Johnson teaches that worry is worship. Because when I worry, I'm worshiping whatever I'm worried about. 
and I'm no longer worshiping the king who sits on the throne. And I think the message says this so well, so that when I learn to calm this sense of God's goodness and his wholeness, he's going to work it all out for good. It's just going to come in and I'm going to go from, <laughs> yes, God, you got it, right? I don't know if that's what you look like on the inside, but that's a bit what I look like sometimes on the inside. And then he comes, Jesus Christ comes and he comes right into the center and he displaces fear and worry and anxiety. Isn't that good? So peace of God is the sense of his goodness, his wholeness, his kindness. He works it all for good. So peace is not a feeling. It's the presence of a person. Peace is not a feeling. It's the presence of a person. Who's the person? Jesus Christ. So I want to take you to the book of Isaiah for the prophecy that talks about the birth of Jesus Christ. I know you were like, how are we going to get into the Christmas story with this? Now you're going to find out. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 and 7. This prophecy was released 700 years before Jesus was born. 700 years. You thought Trinity's birth shower, baby shower was a little early. This was way early. 700 years. And the prophet tells the people, see, Israel had turned away from God repeatedly over and over. They had ignored all the prophetic warnings of God's wrath and God's anger. And now God sends Isaiah to tell them, hey, just before things are about to get worse, because God knew the Assyrians were coming to take them captive and take them out of their land. See, God knows what we don't know. So God knows that they're in a situation that's going to get worse. Does God keep them from the worst situation? No but he gives them a promise to sustain them through that situation. Church, listen to me. God will not always spare you from the bad things that happen, but you know what he'll do? He'll give you a word to get you through it. And so when God gives you a word, if you got nothing else to do, you hold on to that word. You hold on to it like the anchor for your soul. No matter how much the storm throws you around, I'm going to hold to the word that God gave me until the seas finally still. And I see it come to pass. So here's the promise. Look at Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 through 7. It says, For unto us a child is born, a son is given, and the government will rest on his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. His government and its peace will what? Never end. His government and his peace will what? Never end. Never end. That means there is no power on this earth that could ever dethrone Jesus Christ. You better get that. It doesn't matter who sits in the Oval Office. It doesn't matter who's the king of all the nations. Our God is bigger and stronger and greater. And his rule, his power, his authority, and his peace will never end. That, that will carry you through some tough times if you believe it. We sing these songs. Handel's Messiah wrote a great one. His name shall be called. When he talks about his name, we better pay attention. I want to finish verse 7 before I get ahead of myself. I'm so excited. His government and its peace will never end. He will rule with fairness. And justice, I love that. God is not like the other rulers of this world. He rules with fairness and justice. That means when it comes to your situation, even if it's unfair and unjust, you have a God who comes in and does what is fair and just. That's why we never take revenge. That's why we never do what we want to do in the flesh. We let God. Why? Because he does what is fair and just. And I like this last line, the passionate commitment of the Lord of heaven's armies will make this happen. The promise of a Messiah. And I want to take this scripture and I want to show you what it's talking about. It's pointing to the Messiah that all the Jews were waiting for. And it says, number one, he will be born as a baby. So he's not going to drop out of the air like Thor. He will be born of a woman. All right. He will come as a baby. Not only that, he will be a ruler. He will have power and authority. And then it tells us his names. The first name is Wonderful Counselor. We're going to talk about these names. Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. So here's Wonderful Counselor. It essentially means this, divine wisdom. 
When the Bible says his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, it's saying that he will have all divine wisdom. Look at Colossians chapter 2, verse 3. Colossians chapter 2, verse 3. Give you a chance to get there. All right, Colossians chapter 2, verse 3, it says, In him, speaking of Jesus Christ, in him lie hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So when you don't know what to do, go to the one who has all treasures of wisdom and knowledge. In Christ is all the wisdom you need. It's not up here, but James 1, 5 says, If any of you need wisdom, you ask the one who gives generously. And it says, don't be double-minded like a man who is sitting there being tossed to and fro by the waves of the sea. Why? Because I don't know, this is how I feel now, and this is how I feel now. And this is what I think about it, then I talk to somebody else, and this is how I think about it. And then this is what the news says, so I feel like this over here. And then I'm over here, and this is what it looks like when you're not in Christ. But if I go to Christ and I get his perspective, his wisdom, then it settles me. Even though the world around me isn't figured out. Even though I don't know how I'm going to pay my bills. Even though I don't know how this is going to work out. But in Christ, I have all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Go to verse 6. It says, and now just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, what does it say? You must continue to follow him. Let your roots Grow down into him. Let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught. And you will overflow with thankfulness. Pause there. Faith is a restful place. So if you're not at inner rest, then you've moved out of faith. See, our emotions are a gift from God. And so when we have negative emotions, they're not to be ignored, stuffed, drowned, numbed. They're to be processed in the presence of God. They're like the, they're like the check engine light in your dashboard. Now, my truck is old, 99, so I still have lights. I don't know what these new computers do. But my truck, if something light comes on, I was like, oh, got to change the oil. Oh, got to check the brakes. Oh, something's not working, right? Or I just called June, June. June, I don't know what happened. Or my dad. I'm like, hey, help me. <laughs> There's a light on. The light tells me that something under the hood isn't right. Your negative emotions are like that engine light that says, hey, something under the hood is off. You need to figure it out. Where in your faith have you wobbled? Where are we starting to believe our worry more than Jesus? Where am I giving into lies? It says grow strong in the truth of Christ, right? Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught. So how does your faith grow? In truth. Faith comes by hearing. And hearing what? The word of Christ. So I need to get the word in me. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God. And the word was God. So the word is Jesus. He became flesh and lived among us. And so we got to grow strong in truth so that our faith is strong because faith is a place of rest. And then it says, and you will overflow with what? Thanksgiving. Look at that. And you will overflow with Thanksgiving. Verse seven. That means that as I find that restful place, I'm going to overflow with joy. All of a sudden, I'm going to have a different perspective. God, I thank you because right now you know my need and you've got a way to meet it. You know, you got to discipline yourself in these areas. When I first quit my job as a nurse to go full time, living by faith in the beginning, it was scary. And I would have some real anxiety. I remember laying in my couch in my apartment in Pasadena and I was about to get my last direct deposit. Now, how many know direct deposit is nice? Because you don't have to think about it, and it shows up. And I was about to get my last direct deposit, and all of a sudden, I was like, what am I doing? Where am I getting my money from? How am I going to pay my bills? Lord, I'm still paying off my school loan. What are you doing to me? Why are we going to do this? My family lives in Arizona. You know how the mind goes. <laughs> and I'm freaking out, and I'm like, why, what, how, when? And the Lord speaks so clear to me. He said, stop that. He speaks to me like my dad. <laughs> he said, stop that. He said, who's provided for you all this time, you or me? 
Uh, you. Who gave you so much favor at Huntington? Was it you? No, it was you. He said, then who are you to question me on how I'm going to provide for you? That became my word as my bank account went down from a lot of money to kind of some money to not much money to like no money. And every time I start to panic and freak out and I need tires and tires are not cheap and I had to buy a truck, had to go and buy a big truck. So I got expensive tires and Lord, here we are. And you said your will is your, is, is your bill and I'm doing your will and we got a bill. And without fail, God provided for me over and over and over and over again to the point where when something came up instead of anxiety, I was like, God, I can't wait to see how you're going to come through for me again because you've never failed me yet. You've provided all my needs. You paid off my school loans. You've kept my truck functioning. You got me new clothes. You got me everything I needed. So I'm not going to freak out this time. I'm going to praise you this time because I've seen your faithfulness and I don't need to freak out. I'm going to stand on the faithfulness of God. Now, listen, you have a record with Jesus, too. You have a history with God. And when you're in a hardship, you stand on your history of the goodness of God. He's never failed you. He won't start now. His faithfulness, his kindness, his goodness, his mercies, they're new every morning. So don't freak out. Worship him with overflowing gratitude. He's got you. He's got you. And then all of a sudden, I found that I was free from anxiety over my finances. Why? Because I had learned to keep taking it to Jesus, praying about it, getting his word, holding on to it, and seeing time and time again, he never failed me. He might have waited until 1159, but he never failed me. And he doesn't play favorites, y'all. So if he did it for me, he could do it for you. The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. So you hear my testimony, and you say, okay, God, me too. I don't know if you need financial breakthrough, but if you do, just lift your hand. Father, right now, you see those who need some financial provision, financial breakthrough. Lord, you did it for me time and time again. You've never failed me. You've carried me every step of the way, and it's not because of anything I can do. It's all you. It's all mercy and grace. So I release right now faith. Rest in this place of financial need. God, I thank you that you have the right job lined up, that you have the right avenue of financial provision, that you meet all of our needs. You give us our daily bread. And so, Lord, I release right now faith for finances, faith to believe that you are Jehovah Jireh. You're the God who provides. And I pray right now that as this faith comes on, that peace and rest would come and everything else would just leave. We thank you, Lord. I release provision in the house. If that's for you and you need it, say, I take it. And I command all hindrances and obstacles put up by the enemy to try to keep what is yours. It must go now in Jesus' name. I remove it by the power of the name of Jesus. And I release his blessings. I release his financial provision in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's keep reading. Whew, this is good. His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor. And the next name? Mighty God. Tell your neighbor, mighty God. I like that because it puts who he is into perspective. He is all powerful. He is fully God. He is unlimited. Look at Colossians chapter two. We're still there. Verse nine. Oh, I skipped verse eight earlier. Well, you can read it on your own. Verse nine. For in Christ lives all the fullness of God in a human body. So you also are complete through your union with Christ, who is the head over every ruler and authority. So what this tells me is, as I live in Christ, as I focus on spending time with Christ, sitting with Christ, living with Christ, becoming like Christ, tied to Christ, the word of Christ is upholding me and sustaining me, then guess what happens? His authority is the one that's moving in my life. Unjust bosses have to bow to the authority of Jesus Christ. Court situations have to bow to the authority of Jesus Christ. When you live in Christ, you're under his headship, his authority, his rule. You're tied to him. So if he's the head, guess what you are? The Bible says you are the head, not the tail. You are more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus who loves you. Look at Hebrews chapter 1. 
verse 3. We're just going to read the first couple lines of this verse. Hebrews 1, verse 3. I lost Hebrews. Where did it go? Here we go. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3. The sun radiates God's own glory and expresses the very character of God and, and he sustains everything by the mighty power of his command. Just let that sink in for a moment, church. So Jesus radiates God. We all know that. You see Jesus, you see the Father. He came to show us who the Father is. But not only that, how does he sustain you? The power of his word. The, the mighty power of his word. So when you get that word, he is getting you ready. All right, Israel was about to be taken captive by the Assyrians. They were going to be in captivity for 70 years. Everything they knew was going to change. In a heartbeat, they were going to be uprooted. And then he gives them a verse that says, For unto us a child is given, unto us a son is born, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. And his government and his peace will never end. God was giving them a word he was going to sustain his people through the power of his word do you know that the original hebrew when the angel gabriel talks to mary and he says for with god nothing is impossible the original hebrew says this for the word of god carries the power to fulfill itself now doesn't that put something else into perspective we can say oh yeah god all things are possible but i live here it's like we want to compartmentalize what God can do based on our situation. But that original text actually says, for the word of God carries the power to fulfill itself. So when God gives you a word, he's promising you, it will come to pass. So why live in fear and freaking out and stressing out and getting ulcers and headaches and tension when you can learn to live at rest and peace and let the power of God's word sustain you? But it takes training to change the mind. Tell everybody, it takes training. It takes training. All right, next one, everlasting father. We're back in Colossians. Colossians chapter 1, verse 15 and 16. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things we cannot see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, authorities in the unseen world. Everything, everybody say everything, everything. was created through him and for him. Jesus is above all else. So when it talks about him being the everlasting father, you say, but he's not the father, he's the son. This is not preaching Trinity. This is presenting a picture. And the picture is when the Messiah comes, he will come with the heart of the father. And he will come as a father who cares, who provides, who protects. Isn't that good? He's, he's, the father and him are one, but they're also distinct. So this is not about trying to confuse you on the Trinity. But what he's saying is when he comes, he will come with the heart of the father to care, to protect, to provide. John chapter 14, verse 9. This is one of these verses you ought to memorize if you have not yet done so. John 14, verse 9. Jesus said, have I been with you? John 14, 9, yeah. Have I been with you all this time, Philip, and yet you still don't know who I am? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. So why are you asking me to show him to you? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I speak are not my own, but my Father who lives in me and does his work through me. Just believe that I am the Father in the Father and the Father is in me. Just believe, or at least because of the work you have seen me do. Just believe. Tell your neighbor, just believe. Just believe. Man, that's so good. Verse 27. John 14, verse 27. I don't know, am I getting ahead? Oh, no, we're going to save that one for last. Okay. Now, the last name listed in the prophecy of Isaiah is Prince of Peace. The word for peace is shalom. 
Now, shalom is a Hebrew word, and it means completeness, wholeness, rest, safety, soundness, tranquility, prosperity, fullness, harmony, lack of worry, the absence of agitation or discord. How many of you want to have some shalom? Come on. We want to live in shalom. Now, if Jesus is shalom, prince of peace, that means that you and I can learn how to live in shalom. He died. It's available for you and I. We've just got to learn how to take it. Now, when it calls him the prince, what does that mean? He, Don, he's the king of kings. And this says he's the prince of peace. Okay, don't get so literal, y'all. Understand what they're trying to say to you. Yes, he is the king of kings. But when they use the term prince here, prince of peace, he's saying that a prince acts under the authority of the father. So that Jesus would come, the Messiah would come under the authority of the Father. And so he comes under that rule. And that's why it says, and of his dominion and of his peace, it will never end. Because it's not his kingdom, it's the kingdom of the Father, right? So that's why you got to understand. So I want to look at what it means to have his peace, to have shalom. And that's where we're going to go. In Isaiah chapter 53, there's another prophecy about the Messiah that is so important. Isaiah chapter 53, verse 3 through 5. I'm going to read it from the NIV. It says, He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering, familiar with pain. Now that's not usually a description we think of with Jesus. But you know why this is so important? Because God understands your pain. God understands what it means and feels to be despised, unliked, rejected. God, how could you understand me? Because Jesus does. He went through it all with us. In fact, one of his names is Son of Suffering. He was despised and rejected by man. Wow. A man of suffering familiar with pain like one from whom people hide their faces he was despised and we held him in low esteem surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering yet we considered him punished by God stricken by him and afflicted but he was pierced for our transgressions he was crushed for our iniquities the punishment that brought us peace was on him and by his wounds we are healed he took our place and so we're going to look at different aspects of the peace that jesus provides for us and the first one is peace with god in romans chapter 5 in fact christine read this during the worship time last week but in romans chapter 5 verse 1 it says, therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. So we get to have peace with God. So what is the kind of shalom that Jesus brings? Number one, peace with God. Say that, peace with God. John Piper says it like this, God substituting God to bear the punishment of God to make peace with sinners. That's what it means to have peace with God. God substituting God to bear the punishment of God to make peace with sinners. Jesus Christ, the Prince of Peace, Shalom, gives us peace with God. Say it again, peace with God. And now the number two kind of peace we have, peace in God. Peace in God. John chapter 16, verse 33 John chapter 16, verse 33, Jesus says this. This is one of the last things he was telling his disciples before he would be betrayed. He says, I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Peace in me. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows. He doesn't sugarcoat it. The problem sometimes with Western Christianity is we want to sugarcoat it. Oh, come to faith in Christ and everything will go well for you. Even Jesus didn't say that. He says, you will have some problems. You will go through it. You will. 
But, what does it say? Everybody read it with me. But take heart, because I have overcome the world. So yeah, we're going to go through it. Not everything's going to go right, be right, feel right. But God. I can have peace in God. Why? Because my peace comes from Christ. He has overcome the world. He took my place. He bore my punishment so I could have peace with God. And now in Christ, I can have the peace in God. Look at 2 Thessalonians. Man, I hope some of y'all are writing this down. Because again, I'm saving you some therapy money. Get this in your heart. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 16. Now may the Lord of peace. Now he's calling himself peace. May the Lord of peace himself give you his peace. When? No, only when you go to church. When? No, only when you make sure you tithe. No, when? All times. Even when you don't act right. His peace is available. Amen. You better repent first, but his peace is available. <laughs> At all times, even when it hurts like hell, we sang it. Why can I praise him? Because his peace is available to me at all times. And in what? Every situation. The ones that I saw coming and the ones that took me by surprise. Nothing takes God by surprise, by the way. It's not like something happened and he was like, oops, sorry, Don, didn't know. <laughs> he knows the beginning, the end from the beginning. He already knows everything. So you can have peace in Christ at all times, in all situations. Why? Because this says the Lord is with you. So the Lord of peace will himself give you his peace. So whose peace? Where you get the peace? You ain't going to find that peace in a bottle. You're not going to find that peace on a shopping website. You're not going to find that peace viewing porn. You're not going to find that peace trying to drown your sorrows with alcohol. You're not going to find your peace in having sex and sleeping around. You're not going to find your peace in working really, really hard to buy all the stuff so you have all the money. You're not going to find peace with a huge bank account. You're only going to find peace, real peace, in Christ. Amen. And here's the challenge, church. We get lazy and we go to what is easy instead of going to Christ. I've been guilty of it. We have to train ourselves to go to Christ before we go to anything or anyone else. Because the more I go to Christ, the more I have victory in those areas of my life. So everybody say peace in God. So the first one is peace with God. The second one is peace in God. And the third one is peace with others. How many of you would like peace with others? Come on. It's the holidays. We want peace. Because we're going to see all kinds of family. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 14. I love this verse. For Christ himself has brought peace to us. Christ, there it is again. Who brings the peace? Christ himself brings whose peace? His peace to us. He united Jews and Gentiles, Filipinos and whites and browns and pinks and purples and greens and yellows into what? One people. When in his own body on the cross, he broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. So in Christ, there is racial peace. So as a, as a believer and a follower of Jesus, racism has no place in my life. Whether it's anti-Semitism, whether it's racism towards blacks or Mexicans, I'm just speaking as a white person. It has no place in my life. And it has no place in your life. Racism was killed on the cross with Jesus. Therefore, you and I must live accordingly. I just want to put that out. Because right now, our world is trying to divide us by our ethnicity. But here in the body of Christ... Jesus breaks down the walls of ethnicity and the division and we become one in Christ and we benefit from each other. We grow in one another. We're better because of each other. Don't you believe it? I know I am. We got to love like Jesus. He did this by ending. Well, I don't need to go that far. We got a lot of scripture, Don. Move on. Everybody say move on. 
Only once can you say that. All right, Romans chapter 14. Romans chapter 14, verse 17 through 19. I'm going to read it in the Passion Translation. It says this, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of rules about food and drink, but it's the realm of the Holy Spirit filled with righteousness, peace, and joy. So not only is Jesus the Prince of Peace, but the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Christ, and He comes and He fills us with righteousness, peace, and joy. So if I am lacking in any of those areas, I need to connect with the Holy Spirit. I need to find out where my connection is. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago. Am I connected, the vine and the branch? Am I getting my life source from the power of the Holy Spirit in Christ Jesus? It goes on saying this, serving the anointed one by walking in these kingdom realities pleases God and earns the respect of others. So then, make it your top priority to live a life of peace with harmony in your relationships, eagerly seeking to strengthen and encourage one another. So, how do we have relational peace when we have different families and personalities and issues and hurts? Oh, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will empower us to live in peace. The Holy Spirit will empower us to do what is right and to live in harmony. So here's some great tips for you this holiday season. Number one, don't complain or criticize. Well, Aunt Margie makes a better turkey than you. Well, I'm not Aunt Margie. Eat it or dip it. Don't complain or criticize. Don't complain about anything. Don't criticize one another. Instead, speak life. What does it say? Eagerly seeking to strengthen and encourage one another. So I'm not gonna complain and I'm not gonna criticize. I'm gonna look for ways to build you up, to strengthen you, to speak life, to encourage you. Instead of complaining, I'm gonna find a creative way to build you up. You want peace with others this holiday season? I'm going to use a good news club rule. Zip up. If you can't say anything nice, zip up. <laughs> Use your words to build. Use your words to strengthen. Use your words to encourage. So peace with God, peace in God, peace with others. And now the next peace that he gives us, peace within peace within. Philippians 4, 6, and 7, we already read that one. I want to go to Colossians 3, 15. Hang with me, because this is so important. I'm going to read the Amplified. It says, let the peace of Christ, that inner calm of one who walks daily with him, be the controlling factor in your hearts, deciding and settling questions that arise. To this peace, indeed, you were called as members in one body of believers, and be thankful to God always. Have you noticed how thankfulness and peace go hand in hand? There's more verses than these, but it seems like every time I was trying to find a verse about peace, Thanksgiving was tied in with it. So if you need peace, be grateful. You want peace at home? Start telling your family that you're grateful for them. It's just like everybody's like, say, well, I could do that. You mean mom's just not supposed to cook for me all the time? I should be thankful for that? At work, instead of griping and complaining and criticizing and gossiping, thank your coworkers for what they're doing for you. They help you out, thank them. They do something nice for you, thank them. Use the weapon of gratitude and you will have peace at work, peace at home, peace of heart, peace of mind. I like the Amplified because that Greek word, it says, most of you will be more familiar with let the peace of God rule and reign in your heart. That gr Greek word is brabeu. I don't know, I'm not Greek. But that's what it looks like. And what it means is to act as an umpire. So think about baseball. The pitcher throws a pitch. Who calls it a strike or a ball? The umpire. Who calls rules? That's foul, that's fair. The umpire. The Holy Spirit acts as an umpire in your heart. Mm, Don, that's foul. Girl, you need to get in line. That's foul ball. 
get in line. Ooh, that's a strike. That's a ball. In other words, I let the inner sense of the peace of God help me to know, yes, this is right. No, I need to stop. You guys know what I'm talking about, right? When the mind is like, well, this makes sense. You know how you can talk yourself into anything? We can rationalize ourselves into a certain decision. And then you're like, yeah, that's what I'm going to do. And then you go and all of a sudden you feel this little, uh uh-uh. And you're like, but it makes so sense. I've been talking to you about this, Jesus. He's like, you've been talking, not listening. That peace on the inside that says, nope, uh-uh, not for you. Or the other thing where it's like, oh, that's scary, but I feel like God wants me to do it. I don't think I want to. Here's all the reasons why. Blah, 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 no, 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 no. But that peace is like, do it, do it. Follow the peace of God. Not peace of mind. It won't always make sense. Noah, build an ark. What's an ark? Well, I'll just show you the blueprints. What's it for? Rain. What's rain? Never seen rain before. God will tell you to do stuff that makes no sense. It had never rained when God told Noah to build a boat. It'd be like me coming up to you and saying, do you see, build me a blue because blah, 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 blah. Uh-huh. Exactly. That must have been how it felt to Noah. Say, what, God? Ark? Rain? What are you talking about? So God will not always make sense. It's not about here. It's about that peace of God within. And it says, let the peace of Christ, the inner calm of one who walks daily with Christ. You want peace? Walk daily with Christ. And then what does it say again? And be thankful. Gratitude. Romans chapter 8, verse 6. Worship team, come on up. Romans chapter 8, verse 6. Here's the Passion Translation rendering of this. It says, for the mindset of the flesh is death. But the mindset controlled by the spirit finds what? Life and peace. What would you rather have, death or life and peace? Yeah, duh, right? But how do I get life and peace? I have to let my mind be controlled by the Holy Spirit. Not my mind controlled by the unknown questions and factors. What someone did, making it huge and bigger and bigger and bigger. I got to learn how to take my thoughts captive unto the obedience of Christ. Because when my mind is controlled by the Holy Spirit, that's where I'll have life and peace. So as a, as a believer, as a follower of Jesus, our barometer is peace. Your barometer is peace. Not peace in situations and everything around you. Peace. Peace with God. Peace in God. Peace inside of you. The peace that passes understanding guarding your heart and mind in Christ. And now John chapter 14, verse 27. This is one you should memorize. John 14, verse 27. I am leaving you with a gift. It's Christmas time. I am leaving you with a gift. Peace of mind and heart. I love it. He promises peace of mind and heart. That peace within and the peace in my mind. If my mind is not at peace, then I need to focus on Christ. Can I tell you that, church? If you find your mind starting to spin out, you need to center on Christ. If you start to feel your emotions start to get overwhelming into a place of negativity it's a check engine light go before the presence of God let the Holy Spirit mechanic take a look inside and show you where our faith needs to be recentered on Christ where the truth of his word holds us together for the barometer of our life is peace why because Jesus is the Prince of Peace so in this moment I'm gonna give you an opportunity to do that I would invite you in this moment just to quiet yourself. Maybe close your eyes so there's no distractions. Focus your mind on Jesus Christ in this moment. I don't know how you came in this morning, what's going on in your life, the situations, but God knows. And he came to give us peace. Peace to guard our heart and mind, not peace as the world gives, but his peace so that we do not need to be troubled, worried, anxious or afraid 
If there's any burdens that you've been carrying right now, just come to him. Jesus said, come to me and I will give you rest. Give your, cast your cares on him. Cast all your cares, your anxieties, your worries, cast them on him. Why? Because he cares for you. In this moment, give him your situations. Give him your questions. Give him what's going on in your life. Give him. See yourself letting it go. I'm gonna walk you through a prophetic act because it's just very, very helpful. Whatever you're carrying, whatever's heavy, put it in your hands right now. Just picture it in your hands in front of you and hold your hands out. Whatever concerns you might have, whatever's going on, picture it in your hands. Say, God, here's the things that are troubling me, weighing me down, things that are going on in my life. And I don't wanna carry it, I want you to have it. And now I want you just to release it to him, I give it to you. Release it, let your hands go open. And in this place, raise them up in gratitude. God, I thank you that you won't fail me, that you're gonna come through for me. Everything we learned today, Come on, take a moment of gratitude, thankfulness, because peace is tied to thankfulness. Find something to thank him about in your situation. Like when I would worry about finances, I started thanking him for the way he's provided for me in times past, and it built my faith to not have anxiety about it in the present. Thank him for something. Thank you, God. You never fail. You're so good, you're so kind. We can have peace in Christ. Now I just want you to receive it. As your hands are lifted up, just go into a receiving posture. Just receive it. Receive his peace to guard your heart and mind. Just feel the anxiety wash away, the heaviness. Right now, even in, the, in your body, as you're doing that, there is just life coming into your body. Because anxiety and stress wears on our body, but that's not what God wants for us. He wants us to have wholeness and healing and strength in our body. So just receive that peace and healing. We read that in Isaiah 53. For the punishment that brought us peace was on his shoulders and by his stripes we are healed. That means that there's healing that comes with the peace of God. Thanks for listening to our podcast. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Visit us in person or online at hwcim.org.